listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Solarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is episode 30. The big 3-0. Of the Past the Forecast podcast. We've got another guest today. Let's introduce him here. Born in South Bend, Indiana, a Chicagoan at heart, the former Loyola Rambler, now finds himself <laughs> in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 5'10", however many pounds, <laughs> our digital director. A buck 50, probably. Okay. All right. I, I believe Not it. Not bad. Uh, kind of someone who could be biking in the Tour de Fort Wayne. He bikes like a machine. Mr. Joseph Carroll. Well, thanks. Thanks for that uh, warm welcome. And uh, yeah, sorry, there wasn't more applause. Accurate. No, that's fine. That's fine. You're I can, uh, I can deal with it. You're somebody that people don't know. And uh, let's. I'd like to keep <laughs> not it that anymore. Way. Well, now they do know you. I mean, <laughs> hey, we have a large following here on the Pass the Forecast oh, yeah. podcast. Loyal, loyal listeners. <laughs> I listen every week. That's right. You also upload every week. That's, that's correct. <laughs> and <laughs> and the truth is, you I have no choice. You are really the one that gave the okay for this to happen, this whole project called the Past the Forecast podcast. That's right. It's a creative outlet for you guys to uh, get beyond the the daily grind of of doing the forecast and and being on TV and offers uh, up our, our audience a, a, an opportunity to see, you know, a little bit more of the personality and who you people are so that they can uh, relate because there's you know weather is the one thing if you're ever you know in a situation where you don't know what to talk about with someone the fallback is always weather it's universal our small talk game is off the charts <laughs> it's getting there it's getting there <laughs> so joe thanks for being here we'll hear more from you throughout the podcast let's jump right in to tracking the topics in terms of the tropics Tracking the topics. That's probably your best transition you've ever done. It was okay. It was okay. Okay. You were just pumped up about it. I was. <laughs> okay. I was. So, hurricane names. We now have Paulette and Renee, and they are just going to meander through the Atlantic. The good news is, on that is, is that they're going to continue to not really have an impact on property or life. Paulette may get close to Bermuda. We'll see how that goes. But... In the grand scheme of things, compared to what we just experienced in the Gulf, those are not a threat. But something is on track to happen for what would only be the second time in history. That's right. We are rolling through the names on the list for the uh, Atlantic Basin, uh, hurricane names, tropical cyclone names. We're flying through the list. You look at the seasonality of it, we're at peak hurricane season right now we've still got plenty of weeks to go and we only have a couple names left yeah so some people don't even know this they do not name the q they skip the letter q u x y and z that's strictly because there's not many names to go with those letters and the same list will rotate every six years unless hurricanes are retired that's right the last time they had to go to the Greek alphabet, which is what they do whenever they have more than 21 storms, was in the year of 2005. And that's a big year that we remember here because of a few 
hurricanes, one named Katrina, and I believe Rita was another powerhouse system in 2005 as well. That was Wilma, too. Wilma as well. Okay, so that was a big year. Yes, it was. That was a big year. And we flew through names that year. But what's really interesting is pretty soon here, if it, the activity continues, we're going to have to go to the Greek alphabet. So I'm sitting there last night going, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta. Uh, I'm out of the I was never in Greek life. Well, but we did. Those are the three We I took know. math classes, though. Yes. We took math classes. Omega. Yes. Theta. Yes. Phi. It, it, you were just out of school compared to me. Lambda? Is Lambda, <laughs> is that Greek alphabet? That's Greek, Greek alphabet, correct? Yes. It's in a frat name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's all I know about <laughs> Greek alphabet. Is it a frat? <laughs> but there you go. So you're going to go to these, these this Greek alphabet to start naming storms. It's going to be a little bit different than what we normally are, where it's, hey, we just had a Hurricane Laura. It, these names, the Greek names also are different because they don't get retired. That's right. We'll they would over. just if if Hurricane Alpha is a massive storm that causes Katrina level damage or Laura level damage, it'll just be known as Alpha 2020. That's right. And whenever they need it again, they'll just call it Alpha 2026. It's very weird. It's very rare, rather. If you go all the way back to the early 1900s, like you said, this has only happened one time. It's happened more recently in history, but this isn't an every year occurrence. And we even had a couple of pretty quiet years there over the last stretch of 15 years. Going back to 2005, it got pretty quiet in the late uh, 2000s and the early 2010s, and then it started to ramp up again, especially over the last five or six years. But very uh, very interesting. Very, It's just, I don't want to say it's so 2020, but it feels so 2020. There's so much stuff going on. It just makes sense. <laughs> we'll see what we happens. Have to add in weather. So the remaining names, we already got Paulette and Renee. Sally, Teddy, Vicky, and Wilfred are the only ones we have left. And if these names, if these storms are just kind of benign, you'll see these same names again in 2026. That's right. Six years from now, six year rotation. So don't be surprised if you hear which one wasn't about. Isaias will be on the fringe. That's right. Of the impact that it had. Hannah will probably happen again. Josephine, I guarantee you we will not be seeing Laura. Yeah, that's, we'll have to see what the Hurricane Center does there, but that uh, I, I would imagine that is going to be retired. Yeah, for sure. It'd be interesting to look and see, even on years where we don't have as many named storms, is there an average number of storms that get retired? Um, you know, if you go back over the last 40 years, even if it was a less active year overall, where there's still some retired names, you know, whether it be two or three on average. I, whenever we were looking up the numbers and the statistics on this. I did look at the chart of retired names. Right. Now, I don't have the exact numbers, but it seemed like almost every year there were at least two. So even in a year that maybe be a little more active just in terms of depressions and storms, you might still have a couple major hurricanes that uh, really create serious impacts. Maybe not to necessarily the United States, but you've got to remember all the islands down in the Caribbean are also impacted by these storms. Yeah, it's not just coastal U.S., regions. It has impacts on the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, Bermuda, which may be impacted here by Paulette. Right. It, well, it, it, it's further reaching than just our own little bubble here in America. That's so right. Is there set criteria for retiring the names? Uh, level of damage, storm strength, those it, kinds of things? It's kind of on the Hurricane Center's discretion. Some of them are obvious, like Katrina, and I think Laura is pretty obvious. Right. But Isaias was more of a 
rain event. So, like Florence. Florence right. is another one that it caused a lot of flooding. Uh, did they Have they made an announcement on whether or not... Because the retired list stopped at 2018. Right. So I don't think they've made their decisions on 2019 yet. But Florence was one of those from last year that would be... Florence well, is a couple of years back. Flor- yeah, sorry. I'm getting confused on my time here when I was covering there's been a lot of active yes. uh, a lot of active storms over the past three four years the one thing that I found interesting to your question in terms of retiring storms I do believe it is based on a set of criteria fatalities impacts how much of a billion dollar loss is it but number two what we're seeing is a storm might come through and now with extra technology drones better surveying equipment they actually will go back and say for instance, Hurricane Michael a couple years ago, it was landfall at a Category 4 hurricane. They went back and upgraded it to a Category 5 hurricane with post-analysis. That's something new that they're doing to find a better way of being able to really rate and categorize what happened. I find that pretty interesting. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Anything else to add on hurricanes? We're moving on to our next tracking the topic. I think we are. going to be... The sports season. That's right. The NFL set to kick off Thursday night. College football back this weekend. Who would have thought we would have been here? Not me. After how everything went. After seeing <laughs> how baseball summer. started, I thought we were doomed. Doomed. Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been more instances of teams having to shut it down. Um, really surprised. Who's your football team? Professionally, it's the uh, Chicago Bears. Bear down. How are they going to do with uh, Mitch uh, at quarterback? They announced him as a starter. <laughs> That's a tire fire. Wait, nah. Thanks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much confidence. You'd much rather see much Nick Foles in there? In, in either of them, really. Uh, I'd rather just, have Foles. The, the Bears are historically just cursed at quarterback. and you know, Oh, Rex Grossman, man. Um, yeah. Come on. Jay Cutler. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I grew up, I'm old enough to where I remember Jack and Cannon and Bobby Douglas and Gary Huff and uh, some real, Virgil Carter. Of course, uh, the legend, Jim McMahon. Uh, it's not good whenever you're naming Vince a Evans. lot of quarterbacks um, it, oh, that's in your the history. They, they go through a ton of them. So, so yeah, and then on the collegiate level, uh, probably the New York Yankees of college football notre dame the the fighting irish and, and that's what i wanted to ask you about in terms of weather you've probably had your fair share of of afternoons at notre dame stadium <laughs> yes do you do you recall any <laughs> any <laughs> wow and evenings okay so so uh in your time there you know my dad was at the fog bowl when the bears played the eagles in chicago way back do you have any experiences wild weather experiences while at notre dame stadium yeah, um, one of the most uncomfortable times was a uh, opener against uh, Northwestern that uh, to compound the 90 degree plus heat and the the your feet were just on fire sitting in the stands because the concrete was so hot because it had been a, a, a warm stretch and it was so miserable and then to add insult to injury they got beat by the mild cats so it was <laughs> nice <laughs> it was pretty depressing but the overall worst uh worst 
game I've seen at Notre Dame Stadium was a torrential downpour versus Stanford about four or five years ago where it was in the upper 30s, so not cold enough to snow, and I was sitting oh. underneath one of the light stanchions up on the upper bowl, and the water was just cascading off that onto my back, and like a moron, I didn't have proper rain gear, and I was just frozen solid. Nothing um, like a cold rain. <laughs> yeah, and then um, uh, I've only been to a couple Bears games, but I went to... It would have been in 2002, January, because the season got moved back a week, I want to say, for 9-11. And I saw the um, Bears play the Eagles, and it was zero out. <laughs> and they had all these security measures in place um, to check fans for contraband or whatever because of 9-11. And the guy, I remember the usher looking at me taking my ticket, and he looked at how many layers I had, and he, <laughs> said, he just shook his head and said, you can go on through. Yeah. <laughs> you know, stay warm. It's interesting you said they're playing the Eagles because I believe the Fog Bowl was against the Eagles. Yes, it was. So maybe you don't see a Bears game at Soldier Field against the Eagles. Maybe yeah. that's the secret. Maybe it's bad luck. You uh, you got your fantasy team all set, Joe? I do. I do. I'm pretty happy with it. You venture into fantasy sports at all? No, no. I've tried to dial back my sports uh, allegiances and desires. It's, yeah. I've Let's just say psychologically it's taken a toll over the years. I completely understand <laughs> that. Where you, you, lose, yeah, Adam. you lose and it takes about two days to get over it. And so Adam understands it, you know, Penguins fan wins a bunch of championships, Steelers fan wins a bunch of championships, Tigers fan had a couple World Series appearances. Which we both, we got swept in both of them, so. It's okay, you're still there, you were still there. It makes it way less more, way less fun <laughs> whenever you get swept in the World Series. Well, all the emotion of getting there, you're like, we went through all of that just to get swept. I, I hear ya, I hear ya. I think I've been extremely blessed. I think you too, as sports fans, I mean, we're in our 20s. I've seen the Cubs win a World Series. I've seen the White Sox win a World Series. The Bears played in the Super Bowl in my lifetime. I saw the Hawks win three cups. We're both in prime position to see our teams go through a championship phase, struggle, and then see another resurgence, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing where you got to think. I mean, I talked to my dad. He waited his whole life to see the Cubs win a World Series. I kind of feel spoiled. And you probably feel the same way. you got your Chicago Alliances. You probably saw the 85 Bears and the Bulls. I remember a, yeah, a um, back to the Cubs. Uh, we were actually tailgating at Notre Dame Stadium when this would have been in the 80s, the Leon Durham, Brian Sandberg years, when they were in the playoffs. And I forget, I, I don't want to say for certain it was a Leon Durham error that cost him the game, and then they ended up losing the series. But my Cubs friends, they were just despondent. It was like somebody <laughs> just shot their dog or something. It was, ouch. <laughs> it was not good. I think we've all been there as sports fans, though. Yeah. It happens. Whenever your team is supposed to do something special and then they disappoint or some crazy thing happens, you're like, here we go again. Of course. Yeah. Would that have been the uh, 1984 Cubs? Correct. Legendary. Van Halen, Jump. Yes. That was their song. <laughs> I know it's from my dad, but uh, 
Yeah, so so you've been through a lot. <laughs> you make it. We, we broke are it. we talking about sports or yeah, well, are we talking yeah, yeah, about <laughs> that's what I'm saying we, we, we broke you in here with sports we uh, broke no it. denying that we, we, watch 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 how I watch how I fix this we, this is this is what I want to transition here you've seen a lot through sports you've got weather memories but in what the hail today I want to know if you've ever seen anything like this what the hail what the hail is going on with the temperatures in Denver, Colorado. You may have seen this in the news because it is just absurd and it has to be miserable, but I think it'd also be very cool, no pun intended, (laughs) to experience what they went through this week. So on Saturday, it was 101 degrees. Sunday, 97. Both daily records for the high temperatures. Monday, 93. Tuesday, 32 degrees Woo! at 4 a.m. Give me that. One inch of snow fell on Tuesday. Wow. <laughs> can't, can't say I've ever, uh, ever experienced anything like that. And now their temperatures are going to slowly climb back up into the mid-80s by the weekend. But wow, that is the power of an Arctic front as we start to get into the uh, fall season, which is, uh, that's a stark reminder that it is coming. <laughs> It's not for us yet. We've seen hints of the models trying to bring in some cooler air, but we haven't seen something like that yet. Yeah, probably the closest thing I think that I can relate to my experience, and maybe you can relate, being that you went to Loyola on the the shore of Lake Michigan. Yes. Sometimes in the spring, you, you're in the 70s, but then you get that lake breeze to come through, and it's called the pneumonia front because it'll drop things temperatures down into the 40s, but that's only a 30-degree drop on average, right? 20, 30-degree drop? Right. This was incredible. 60 degrees. 60 degree <laughs> drop. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's not even that's not even the same. That's going from the hot shower into an ice box. So, what do you do with your clothing? Do you you've got the winter gear out for your Tuesday? Do you just keep it out? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, do you <laughs> You're going to be back in the 80s. You won't need it for a while, but you've gotten it out. <laughs> that's a blast. Yeah, I mean, Denver sees a lot of, uh, you know, different sorts of weather anyway. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what, that they're, they're surprised that it does get as warm as it does. Oh, it's in the 90s they, regularly. Yeah. I think they even brag. Like whenever, I've been through the Denver airport multiple times, and they say like, you have like 350 days of sunshine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. It, it's yeah. It's beautiful whenever it's sunny out, but whenever you get little uh, swings like this, you're like, oh, hmm, yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> Imagine if you were, if they had a game, uh, maybe maybe a Denver Broncos game this weekend, and, and when this happened, you literally could be a player there or a groundskeeper, whatever, worker at the stadium. You're wearing shorts and like a T-shirt or a polo on Saturday as things are getting ready. <laughs> and then come Sunday, if it was Sunday, They've got to get snow off the field. I mean, think about that. Yeah. That's just mesmerizing. The closest thing I can say I've experienced uh, similar to that was uh, as in my youth, I uh, hiked uh, the Grand Canyon, and we started up at the top on the north face, and it was, or north rim, and it was in the 40s. And we hiked all the way down to the bottom, a 10-hour hike, 
and it was close to 100 degrees at the bottom. And so that was brutal. On top of the fact that you're exerting yourself to get down there. Yeah, wearing a pack, and then we had we camped at the bottom, and it was, but yeah, that was probably the biggest uh, temperature uh, variation I've experienced. I really, I really think that's cool. That's like more of an elevation Correct. change, like I, going hiking through mountains and stuff like that, where you start off, it's in the 80s, and whenever you get to the, the top of the trail or whatever, just like two, three miles up, it's down into the 40s and 50s it's you got to be ready for that because it does get a little chilly <laughs> you're a little bit of an outdoorsman well yeah i'm learning more and more here you got the uh you bike a lot oh, yeah. i saw on your instagram you made hot sauce this weekend that would be correct how i i, I wanted to ask you it i didn't plan on asking you about it here but what what peppers did you okay so a neighbor i typically grow jalapenos every year because I make a wing sauce with jalapeno in, in them in addition to the Frank's Red Hot and Butter. And my next door neighbor gave me a plant and I believe they're red savinias, which is a variation of habanero that turned red. So this year, the greatest year ever for peppers, if there are any gardeners out there, I mean, I have pe- a three foot tall pepper plant that I've never had before, a different variety. And I've had more habaneros than I know what to do with. So I got online and did the you know usual look and uh, see what recipes and uh, being the Chicago guy, you'll uh, right. this, this name <laughs> will be familiar to you, uh, Rick Bayless. I recognize the name. Frontera Grill. Sounds right. Tapalamba or whatever. There's some other. He owns a a bunch of uh, Mexican uh, Hispanic restaurants in Chicago. That's so, right. So uh, so yeah, twelve habaneros, a cup of uh, cider vinegar. A quarter teaspoon sugar as if that's going to do anything. It just cuts it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And then I added pineapple juice instead of water. Ooh. And then a a half cup grated carrot, half cup grated onion. You cook it all, and then you uh, put it in a blender, blend it up, and then bottle it. And because of the high vinegar content, it should stay uh, or keep for months and months um, Hmm. because the Vinegar will preserve, you know, yeah. keep bacteria from forming and that kind of stuff. Well, it looked very good on your Instagram. It, and it actually is tolerably, um, I mean, you can put it on stuff and not go screaming. And not die. Burn your, burn your face <laughs> off. Screaming into the night. Yeah. Not chugging a gallon of milk. But I did wear rubber gloves cutting the habaneros. That's, that, that is a that is expert move. If you've ever touched your eye or any other body parts after cutting up habaneros, you are in for <laughs> agony well and you mentioned instagram there adam this guy i mean (laughs) you're really i gotta give you a lot of credit i mean you are a digital guy but you really you've seen everything i mean come on let's it's not let's not lie here you saw the internet i mean you're a little bit older than myself and adam you you saw the progression of all this and i see your social media and i smile and go this is someone who's really tried to uh, yeah, I try, to, I try to adapt to the time. I don't want to be the cranky old person who's this way back you're in not, my day. You're not we, old. but We just had to go outdoors and go to the bathroom, <laughs> and I don't know why you need indoor plumbing. No, that's <laughs> never been my kind of – I just always want to try to evolve and try to understand things, um, you know, because it's it's contemporary. It's It's what society is, and I think – if you don't try to understand it, 
you know, you can't fully um, appreciate what's going on around you. And, you know, it, that doesn't mean you have to like it or embrace it or whatever, but I think understanding stuff is really important. Um, you know, I think you've noticed I'm trying to be a little bit more active on Twitter just because yeah. I want to have a better understanding of how it works because all these different social media platforms are all different. They're all unique and their audiences are different and how you interact with the with your audience is all different. Well, I think that's one of the challenges for us as, as weather guys here and maybe you can give a little insight as someone who's just, you know, as a consumer of our weather product in a way, if if we tweet out the current temperatures on a summer day when it's 80s for highs, we might get a couple likes, maybe a retweet. It doesn't do great. But when we tweet out a, a wild weather stat or we tweet out a crazy video of some what someone perceives as heat lightning, which is not real, we had that discussion, What you know, that stuff blows up. So for you, I guess it's all about what you want. What do you want as a consumer of weather on Twitter? I think on anything, it's it's what I'm not expecting. I want to be surprised, and I want to be educated. Um, I want to be informed. I want to learn, come away from something, you know, you know, is it going to change the world? Is it curing cancer? No, but... I, I want a better understanding of stuff. And, and if you can show me something or explain something that I wasn't aware of before, or just something, one thing about weather that I think is often overlooked is, yes, it affects, you know, the temperature, the wind, whatever, but there's beauty inherent in all aspects of weather. It's beautiful. Even the, the you know, a tornado to me, is gorgeous. I mean, that's a weird way to describe it, maybe. But, you know, weather is visual. It's not just a sensory, you know, with your feeling of temperature and wind and all that. It, it's so visual. And so, you know, from a social media standpoint, if you can give me visual stuff that grabs my attention and, you know, either makes me smile or whatever, to me, that that's what's effective for me. It's it, it, even I, I like you saying that there's beauty in all kind of weather. Like take the Denver thing for example. Like yeah, that's crazy that that happened, but it's also like the fact that Mother Nature is capable of doing that is pretty awesome. Yeah, look out for the curveball. Yeah, I mean it's the expect the unexpected. Well, that's the thing with like Hurricane Laura. You know, Adam, you and I are sitting there and just just. We couldn't very, stop watching. I don't want to say excited, but very in awe of just some of the satellite imagery before it made landfall. It was incredible. But then you know what it's doing, and that's the tough part. That's where the beauty turns into devastation, and it's a fine line you're walking there. So how do you on social media convey the beauty without rooting for the beauty? Because right. you see what I'm saying? And that's yeah. one of the challenges I think we have as well with social media. Yeah, because obviously you're geeked up. You know, you've chosen this as your profession, so you're excited about this stuff. But, you know, obviously you're not excited about the prospect of people losing their homes or anything. So you have to temper that enthusiasm with the stark reality of what is likely to happen. Right. But that, to me, the enthusiasm is important because, you know, when you guys are interested, that's one of the reasons why I thought this podcast was such a great idea because... If you're passionate about something, if you're enthusiastic about it, I'm going to be enthusiastic about it. 
and it makes me care about it when I see other people care about it. If you just go through the motions, eh, so what? He's not interested. Well, okay. But if you are interested and you show some enthusiasm. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges that Adam and I sometimes have when we have to report during the week. We don't always get the fire under us that we get when we see a 60-degree temperature drop out west or uh, a major upper air pattern coming in that it's just like, wow, this is really going to impact us. I think that might get your, your blood flowing a little bit quicker than, hey, we need you to go do this story. We know we don't really want you don't really want to do it. It's not your cup of tea, but we need you to do it. That's when you kind of got to dig a little deeper. Yeah, it's, it's the it's, – that comes with the drive, though. Right. Like you got to have that extra gear. Like whenever you're not necessarily doing something that's of interest, you got to find a way to make it interesting to you. And by doing that, hopefully you're making it interesting for the viewer, for I'll the consumer. Out, I'll come out and say it right now. I know you and uh, Nicholas talked about the Comet. Was it yep. the Comet? To me, that's not something that I really even think about. But Nicholas always is on the different uh, astronomical observations that you can make. And the truth is, in, in reading the stuff that he posts and in reading and watching some of the little weather hits, it's kind of made me go, wait a minute, this is kind of neat. Something to where I didn't really care about it until I saw someone who is passionate about it, especially when you guys talked about it. I listened to that podcast back and I was like, oh, that, oh, maybe I should have shown a little interest. It just wasn't inherently there. And that's where that's kind of our jobs is to like, hey, this is pretty cool. I want to, I want to check it out. Yeah. And it definitely mm-hmm. spurred my interest. So. Well, let's move on to something else that is more nature-related. Outdoor, outdoorsman right here. Yes. So there is a hummingbird in the Andes Mountains of Peru that goes into a state of suspended animation known as torpor. It is the black metatail hummingbird. It chills its body to 37.9 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the coldest body temperature ever recorded in a bird or non-hibernating mammal. They do this every night so that their bodies conserve the energy that they pick up during the day so they can go out and pollinate flowers and get the energy from those flowers and the nectar. The same thing next day. So have a blanket? No. (laughs) No blanket. It freezes itself. Its heartbeat... During the day, it's only a six-gram bird. It needs 500 flowers a day to survive. Wow. Its heartbeat is 1,200 times a minute during the day. At night, 40 beats a minute. That's ridiculous. Like, that is... We were talking about nature being beautiful earlier. That That is... <laughs> That's crazy. Like, yeah. We're talking about big spreads today. We got the temperature yeah. spread. That, that's... That is, uh, wow. it says 90, it, it conserves their, cuts their energy to about 95%. So what I'm confused is where are these located in the world? In the mountains, you said? Yeah. They are in the Andes Mountains of Peru. It doesn't have the altitude on here. So is, is there a, a lack of... Oh, it's 5,000 meters above sea level. So is there a lack of oxygen? You would assume there's obviously lower oxygen up there. Right. So does the bird have to work harder during the day because of that? I'm not a, uh, what's the word for a bird studier? Aviary? Uh, Aviary. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But I'm wondering if that's why, if there's such a lack of oxygen that it has to work 
extra hard to get those flowers every day to survive that it really has to shut down at night. Yeah. That's wild. That's definitely a possibility. I just... The heart rate drop is... First off, that's how fast they go, but you see a hummingbird. Right. You see how fast they flap their wings. Right. <laughs> but, goodness. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're the original drone. I yeah. I mean, if you look at the, their movements, they're mm-hmm. able to just stop on a dime and hover and zip up and down and... Right. And laterally and everything. And, yeah, they consume some ridiculous amount of calories because of their heart rate and how quickly their wings are flapping. Hummingbirds are some of my favorite birds. I don't Fun know. Fact. I don't think the heartbeat hits me as much. To me, I feel like if it's not in motion, that seems like that's natural. The temperature thing is wild to me. It freezes itself. Well, they're related. Right. But, but, but yeah. I think that's, the, that's what gets me more is like when I go to bed at night, I want six blankets. But you're a fan of the cold. I am. <laughs> Although aren't there studies that indicate that you sleep better if you're cool? I think your body's more efficient at repairing and healing itself at night if you're cooler. That we tend to bundle up too much and that if we're looking to get a more solid, um, you know, restful sleep that you would go cooler. I know my room is very cool. Okay. Maybe I'm compensating. Temperature-wise or (laughs) decoration-wise? No, there's nothing on my wall. (laughs) It's a very bland room. Didn't know if you were bragging there. No, no. My bedroom is very bland. Very bland. There's a television and a dresser. That's it. Sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) Occasionally, there's some dirty clothes on the floor, but that's about it. Um, No, it's very... I I sleep pretty cool, but you got a few extra blankets on. But I don't know. I just can't imagine that. It's as obviously as humans that we don't really do that. It's very hard to... It freezes itself. Darn yeah. close, yeah. It's just above freezing. Oh, that's wild. Nature's crazy. Yeah. Let's move on to hits and misses. Hits and misses. All right, so hits and misses. This was a segment that I believe was inspired by you, Mr. Carroll. Whenever we brought this idea to you, this was the, you ran up, I think you ran up to both of us and like, Got to do this kind of segment. Got to, got to. You got to tell people when you're wrong, and you got to own it and explain why. That's right. So, let's do that, Adam. (laughs) So, on Monday. Yeah, Monday. We had that rain chance. We kept talking about it. Kept talking about it. It took forever to get here. And then it was a slow mover that had an impact on some Labor Day plans. If you were up at Lake James, if you were up in the northern half of the area, you most likely had a good Labor Day. You probably saw a little bit of sun. The clouds were a little bit thinner up there, but from Fort Wayne south, you were seeing periods of rain, storms. We even had severe thunderstorm warnings at times. The rainfall amounts were over at, I think, like 1130. We got a report in. Of course, timing of that right after the show, very irritating that we got it at like three, there was a report of over three inches, like 3.45 in Huntington County. Mm. So these storms were going over the same area over and over again, leading to high amounts and localized flooding and had an impact on some Labor Day plans. Uh, I know on Sunday I said that if you were going to have plans, the later in the day, the better. There was a window in there from 6 to 7 that most of the area was dry. So if you did your plans from 6 to 7, I wasn't wrong. (laughs) 
but I don't think most people were waiting for the hour window I was giving them from 6 to 7, so I apologize for that. Well, that hour window fluctuated because when I left here Sunday morning, the last thing I had told you was, I think it's coming overnight into yeah. the early morning hours, and then I said there's a trend, a shift back to later morning, see if you pull on that adjustment, but then it took even... I mean, from the time I left Sunday morning, there was about a 12, 13-hour swing from when the storms actually came through to where I was forecasting. So what a challenge. That thing slowed down. It was a it's a, it was a stationary front, so those are a little bit trickier because it was draped right through the middle of our area. Right. And that allows the lift to be right over top of us. And if it stalls out, which it was not expected to do until Monday morning, we started to get the good idea, which... It's the day of. Right. Hopefully you have a good idea on what's going to happen. But Sunday, it was still drifting off to the south. So that would have led us to believe that by the evening, you would have been dry and clear. And then it lifted back north Monday night into Tuesday morning. Yeah. Not too thrilled about that. But Tuesday, if you remember, we had rain chances in there all weekend at 20%. We had, what, three or four storms yesterday? Uh, One of them severe? Pretty true, 20%. Yeah. So we hit there. stayed dry. But uh, a couple areas saw storms in Huntington actually saw some damage yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. They had potential for half-dollar-sized hail, I think, at one point in that storm. That was the uh, in southern the little Allen storm County. that could. Yeah, that it thing went. blew up quick. And it actually sustained a little bit, too. Did mm-hmm. you get any rain yesterday, southwest? Yes, quite a bit. I had some as well, yeah, uh, just south of the Aboyt area. Um, I actually had to delay my walk. I'm step-tembering right now. Um, I had to wait a little bit because it was coming down at a pretty good clip. But it was sunny, one of those sun showers. So Yeah, I drove home in the rain, and it was sunny. Yeah, that's a, isn't that a neat phenomenon? Yes. <laughs> yes. It messes yes. with your head. <laughs> yes, it is. Very disorienting. Let's move on to the inbox. It's the past the forecast inbox. Adam, my man, Jackson, thank you for this question. Why do worms show up after the rain? And that's a good question. Very timely question with all the rain that we saw. Worms live underground. I think we all know that. They need oxygen. The only place you can get oxygen whenever the rain is falling and it floods the ground is at the surface. So the worms come back up to the surface to get the oxygen so they basically don't drown. Well, that's a simple answer. Very easy. You know that? Yeah, I was going to ask that. So do they drown? I would. I think their their <laughs> natural <laughs> instinct to come to the surface would Do indicate yes, they drown. could. Yeah, I mean, is that is that, if they couldn't come up, could that be an issue? I would assume so. That's why they come up. Yeah. No. It's. <laughs> I, I, you want to ask a worm or no? But I mean, I mean, I know. <laughs> thinking about uh, in the summers, we used to vacuum my pool, and then you would you would drain it, and all of a sudden, along the whole path of water, you would get like thirty worms would come up, and I never that makes sense now because you were trying to kill worms. No, but. no, no. I just wanted to clean my pool out, but you know. Nice and easy answer there for the inbox. Yeah, I like that question. That's You know what? That's not necessarily super weather related, but... It's weather adjacent. I like it. Yeah. I, you learned yeah. something new. That's a fun fact. Fun fact. There you go. You can send in any questions, weather related, weather adjacent, whatever you want to know, to the past the forecast inbox at P-A-S-T, the forecast at Wayne.com. That's W-A-N-E dot com. All right, so we've gotten through our agenda for the day, but we still have a very special guest here. So, Joe, <laughs> can yes. you can you remind me, because I know you've had an illustrious career, 
What was the progression like for you here at Wayne? Did you start as a reporter? Were you ever on air? What was kind of your... No, I I never really had any desire to be on air. I think it takes a, a certain personality, and it just wasn't my, you know, something that was in me. Um, that being said, I think I could have been darn good at it. Um, no, I... <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> Easy there. Yeah. No, actually, I uh, graduated... Uh, let me do a, 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 as brief as I can. So I graduated from... Uh, College in 1984 from Purdue University with a degree in radio, television, broadcasting. Purdue University. And uh, wait a minute, I thought you went to Loyola. I did for two years. Oh. And then a couple of my friends were getting a house at Purdue, so I decided to transfer because oh. that's how you know you make your best decisions. <laughs> Young males make their best decisions in their late teens and early twenties. I didn't know you were a Purdue guy. Yeah, well, I, I'm not really. We, we could spend a whole discussion <laughs> on. on <laughs> On me and Purdue, but that's a whole nother. So uh, I moved <laughs> Special back, edition podcast. I, I moved back to South Bend, and uh, I took 24 hours my last semester to get out in four years, so I didn't have time to look for a job. So I got a job doing landscaping, and a opening came up at the NBC affiliate in South Bend, WNDU, for a part-time producer. So I took the job, and I really liked it because you're in charge of an entire newscast, and you're you're in on all sorts of stuff. You manage people. And uh, two years of that and going part-time, uh, there was an opening in uh, Fort Wayne and at Wayne, and I started here in January of 1987, work producing weekends and assignment desk duties during the week, and uh, kind of moved my way up the ladder of producing newscasts. I went Monday through Friday and then became assistant news director and then about uh, 15 years ago or so, um, I decided we weren't spending enough time managing our website. And so I transitioned to full-time. Uh, my position became full-time in 2007 for managing the website. And uh, I just kind of, not that I'm Nostradamus or anything, but you can kind of tell that that's where it's going. Right. And that this whole on-demand kind of thing. And, and it's not just news and information. I mean, look what's happened in the music industry. It's all on-demand. I mean, no one, no one's buying CDs or anything. I'm know, buying for, records, though. For, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of a niche kind of, yeah. you know, there's a certain, you know, reason you do that. So, yeah, I just, you know, been here a long time and transitioned, seen a lot of things, you know, back, you were talking earlier, you know, when I started, you know, we we were on typewriters. That's right. And See, I, I, I didn't want to call you, you know, older, but yeah. No, I'm older. Yeah. I mean, call it what it is. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with it. Um, and <laughs> You're experienced. <laughs> that's yeah, what that's it is. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, experienced. Yeah. You know, and we, our Associated Press came over these loud machines that c continually spit off stuff and you'd rip the stories and put them on a nail on pegboard according to the category that they were in. And this, the whole AP room was in its own, well, like I said, it was in a room because these machines go gave off so much noise. So you'd go into this room to rip AP wire. So a lot has changed, but you know, back we had, we touched on this earlier. You know, I just I'm always trying to embrace change and how things are different. And, 
you know, things are a lot easier and a lot better now than they were when I started. I mean, without question, you know, we were talking about weather. I mean, how, when I was a kid, when it got cold out, if it was 10 degrees or below, you're not starting your car. Yeah. I mean, you had to jump it. I mean, people bought heated blankets, electrical blankets to put on their engine block to keep them warm. They bought dipsticks that plugged in to heat your oil. I mean, it was a nightmare, you know? <laughs> I mean, that was a part of, of living in the winter and the same thing with the summer. If you, you know, try going cross country in 95 degree heat without your car overheating. Yeah. I mean, so in a lot of regards, I mean, things are so much better now than they were. So, you know, I wish I had a great, you know, fantastic story to tell you about my, tra- you know, trajectory here at the, <laughs> at the big one five. But yeah, you know, I've, I've seen a lot. I think, I think I can ask you a question here. All the departments here. News, sports, weather, <laughs> your own department. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's your favorite? Oh, it's the weather team, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay, good, good. We got that on <laughs> Twist record. Twist his arm hard enough. We, got, the, we got that on record. <laughs> well, you know what? Over, you know, again, you know, the, um, you cannot understate the importance of weather. And I'm not just saying this because you two guys are in the room. But, you know, historically, you know, we keep one of the – and one of the reasons I – I moved to the digital side and the web is because you can quantify what works and what doesn't. You have data that tells you what people are looking at. And, you know, I could do a whole segment on the the flaws of, you know, questionnaire data because people tell you what they think they ought to say, not what their actual behavior is. But over the course of Wayne.com, the number one content driver has always historically been weather. If you're to add up the amount of time spent on your site over the course of the year and what stories are the ones that resonate, it's always weather. We had some school closings today. People are looking for school closings. They're looking at the forecast. It can be perfectly sunny out and people are on the radar page looking to see if something's coming. It's true. I mean, it is. So, you know, weather is incredibly important. I mean, I remember talking to corporate people about, well, you know, Joe, you're traffic for December, January, and February wasn't quite what it was last year. And I said, yeah, because it's been a mild winter. I mean, I can't control the weather. Right. So you're at the mercy of what. Neither can we. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> so, yeah, so from an important standpoint, without question, weather is, yeah. In your time producing, <laughs> I ask all the on-air people who are on here, Nicholas, Greg, Chris, Sierra, but now it's your turn. You're a producer, so you don't necessarily had your face to this, per se, on TV. Do you have an embarrassing moment you can share? Something you did that resulted in something wacky happening on TV? Or do you have just a funny story? you got a lot of stories. So so. so sticking with the weather theme. So when I worked in South Bend um, at WNDU, which... NDU stands for Notre Dame University, even though it's not owned by the university now, but it was then. So we would do the show and sports, you know, typically you do like here we do on the 6 and 11, we do news, weather, and then sports. On South Bend, we did news, sports, because sports, it's Notre Dame, it's important. Um, And then we would do weather last. And so... 
this is back in the day before computers that we used. And so you had to physically write out your show and all the times, and then you do what's called back timing so that you have a half hour show that ends at the right time. And there was a, a legendary guy in South Bend doing the weather, Dick Addis. And we split the weather segment. So you do like two and a half minutes, go to a break, and then come back and do, you know, a minute or whatever for his final weather. And there was a time when I I thought, gosh, it seems like there's a lot of content in this show. <laughs> I had forgot to include that last break. So we're going into the break. The last break, Dick just did his first two and a half minutes, and I realize I got no more time. And here's this legend in the market, the most well-known anchor in the market, and I got to get on the headset and say, uh, uh, tell Dick we're out of time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, you know, you have his view in the monitor, and I see him like, what? And he just went ballistic, and it was like, I just wanted to hide, crawl out of the building. And we came back, and he basically just said, well, we're out of time. So <laughs> I forget exactly what he said. But that was embarrassing, and I felt really stupid. And it so, happens to everyone who's a producer. So that's a reminder to all the viewers and listeners that sometimes when the talent looks silly on air, it's not the talent's fault. <laughs> Most of the t- No, I'm kidding. That's correct. No, I'm kidding. It's sometimes it's behind the scenes, but we're just the face that it happens to. That's uh, correct. I'll, I'll take I'll take the blame for ninety percent of my. Silly I will occurrences. too, but there's <laughs> other times that are pretty bad that it is not on us. That's right. Well, I'm from a producing standpoint too. You guys are so important because you guys can help. You know, if there's breaking news or whatever, or some timing screw up. You know, if we need you to go long, you can go long. You can stretch. You can go short, whatever. So you're kind of the ace in the hole for making sure that the show gets done in the proper amount of time. True. For sure. For sure. So, yeah. Anything else to add? Um, no. Not really. There's <laughs> well, some other stories. but uh, This isn't just the 30th show. Joe, put your hand straight up. Joe has made it through an entire show without any mic hits. That's right. I didn't do Don't, it today. Hey, I careful, always, careful. That's right. We, we're right in the home stretch. There were a couple of mic hits from our guest over here, but... Uh, the, 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 we don't keep track of theirs. We keep track of yours. That's right. <laughs> I've made it through. We usually get about three or four a show, so... <laughs> I'm passionate in here. I'm hitting things. I'm, uh, you, you can't even get riled up. with danger. Pizza conversations and everything I, else. I know so. I'm risking it by talking about the perfect game, but we're almost there. It's all good. Well, it's we'll see good. you next time as we try and be... Pick a number. Seven. 7% right about the weather this week. This has been Pass the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.